You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. It's Thursday, September 13th. We are two days away from Penn State's Week 3 battle against Kent State. That is Saturday at noon at Beaver Stadium. We'll be broadcast on FS1. Penn State is a 34.5 point favorite in that one. Should be able to get to 3-0, you you would hope. Uh, But still, I'm sure there'll be plenty of interesting things to discuss after that game. We have plenty of interesting things to talk about going into that game. We're going to get to them on today's show. We have our big question of the week, which is a new segment I'm introducing this week and plan to do in the following weeks. Just a big question about uh, kind of a broad picture view of, of what Penn State is getting in, into this week and what it means. We will also have a top five. Earlier in the week, I did a bottom five of Penn State's worst week three games, which there's a lot of. Uh, that was on, I believe it was on Tuesday's show, if you want to go back and check that out. But I figured, why not also include a top five for a little more positivity here on the podcast? And why not? It, it Sometimes it's nice to be positive. I know James Franklin would agree. So we'll have a top five later in the show uh, about Penn State's Best Penn State football's best multi-sport athletes. Uh, also on this show, I'm going to list a couple of over and unders. I'm going to throw them out to you, uh, the the listeners, to give me some feedback on them, whether you think Penn State's going to hit the over on these numbers or the under on these numbers. I will also post them on our Twitter account. That's at LockedOnNittany. We'll have some polls up there on Thursday to see some results from there as well. So we'll have all that coming up later on today's show, but... As I mentioned before, we're going to start with our new segment, the big question of the week, or the BQ of the W, as as many are calling it already. Uh, <laughs> but this week's question that I have about Penn State is, how long will Penn State's home winning streak last? And I'm bringing this up now. Not because I think it's going to end on Saturday. I certainly do not think that. But I kind of wanted to bring it up because to, to appreciate where Penn State is and what what the, this program has been able to do at Beaver Stadium in the last two years and just how tough it's going to be to keep this thing going. Uh, so a quick overview. Penn State has won 15 straight home games at Beaver Stadium. That uh, Nittany Lions have not lost there since... 2015 game against Michigan, which came before Thanksgiving. Uh, so it's been 15 in a row. That's seven games in 2016, seven games last season, and then the heart racing Appalachian State win to start the 2018 season at Beaver Stadium. It's been it's been quite a streak. It is it's a very impressive streak. Uh, only two teams in the country have longer home winning streaks right now and they are Alabama and USC so those are pretty good programs to have <laughs> to be in the company of for sure um, is Penn State's longest home winning streak since at least 1990 uh, that's as far back as I could find 
uh, Penn State winning at least 14 games. So, so they haven't. I, I I couldn't find exactly when the last time they've won 15 straight games at home or even 16 straight. Uh, but it's been at least 28 years. So this is something that hasn't happened in a long time and has been basically the reason for Penn State's resurgence uh, into the national conversation and into the Big Ten title conversation in the last two years. You look at some of the games this streak includes, the one that, of course, sticks out the most is 2016 against Ohio State, that monumental upset that changed Penn State's season, changed James Franklin's tenure, changed the path that Penn State is on and, and has stayed on since that game. Uh, but there's been a, a lot of others, too. There was that game a few weeks before that Ohio State game. Penn State beat Minnesota a week after getting destroyed by Michigan. It looked like they were going to lose to a, a, an average Minnesota team at the, at home. And many people were thinking that that was, at least for me, when I thought that James Franklin was not the right person for the job. They come back. Uh, they win that game. And then they, they don't lose again until the Rose Bowl. So that was a huge win. Uh, they clinched the Big Ten East against Michigan State that year. It was a down year for Michigan State, but 2016, it was that crazy Saturday where Penn State needed Ohio State to beat Michigan. That happens in a crazy double overtime game. And you hear an eruption at the stadium <laughs> in the middle of the first quarter. I was actually at that game in the stands. And my app, for some reason, I guess, thought that Ohio State was short. And it told me that the final score was Michigan, I guess, Michigan 27, Ohio State 24, or something like that. And it looked like Michigan had won, so Penn State's Big Ten hopes were dead. But then a minute later, I hear eruptions in the stands, and it's people knowing that Michigan had lost, and Ohio State just needed to beat this lowly Michigan State team that year to win the Big Ten East. And that happened. That, that was part of the streak, which was amazing. Last year, they beat Pitt at home, first game against Pitt in, in, in Happy Valley in two decades. Uh, there was almost two decades. I think it was 17 years. Uh, there was um, the game last year against Michigan where you had game day in town, and Penn State just really, really blows the doors off of Jim Harbaugh's team on, on a national stage and really shows people that this program is back for real. And then, yeah, even this year against App State in week one, it's been a lot of memorable wins during this this home winning streak, and you expect it to get to 16 games, but anything after that is is going to be incredibly tough because you look at the schedule, the home schedule, after Kent State, it is Ohio State, Michigan State, Iowa, and then Wisconsin. So all four of those teams could be ranked coming to Beaver Stadium. Ohio State and Wisconsin absolutely will be. Um, Iowa, don't sleep on, on the Hawkeyes this year. I think they're a threat to make some noise in the Big Ten West. Michigan State, even after losing Arizona State, is still a very veteran and talented team that is not going to be an easy team to beat. Uh, so if Penn State is going to make a run at a Big Ten title, is going to make a run at a college football playoff berth this year, it basically rests on those four home games. And if the streak if the streak gets to 20, if the streak gets to, and it, to pull out the whole season, it would get to 21. But if the streak can get to 20, that would be 
amazing. If it gets to 17, I'm sure people will be thrilled because that means you've beaten Ohio State. So it is going to be very, very difficult. In the last two years, Penn State hasn't quite had a home stretch like this where they played multiple games in a row against teams that were probably in the top 25 or top 35 teams in the country. And it's going to be it's going to be very challenging. And and it's it seems like an impossible task, but Penn State does some crazy things at Beaver Stadium when that crowd gets into it and it, it it's possible. There's a very slim chance of it happening, but it is possible. And I just wanted to point that out because I mean, the Kent State win will get it to 16, assuming Penn State gets the job done on Saturday, and that could be the end of the winning streak. Uh, and just in case it is, uh, I wanted to appreciate it for what it's been worth and how much it really has meant to this program to spring Penn State back into national title contention and back into its place among the really the, the big-name, powerful programs in college football. So that's the big question of the week. How long will Penn State's home winning streak go? If you have an answer or have a, a thought about this, please let me know either at LockedOnNittany on Twitter or at SPianovich. That's at S-P-I-A-N-O-V-I-C-H. I will get a little discussion going and uh, we could probably read some viewer feedback on air in the future too. And we're going to have one of these big questions of the week each week moving forward here on Locked On Nittany Lions. But moving forward right now, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to count down the top five multi-sport athletes that Penn State football has produced. Stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and my bookie's mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today with my bookie. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar on deposits up to $1,000. Use promo code on college, that's O N C O L L E G E, to activate the offer. My bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. So, welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. This week, Penn State linebacker Jan Johnson was asked about the similarities between James Franklin and, and Cale Sanderson because Johnson spent part of his freshman year on Penn State's wrestling team, and he was part of a national championship team, wrestled in about eight bouts, and uh, he, he, had a, he had a really good answer to this question. He said that the biggest similarity is that they're both bald, <laughs> and uh, here's what he said was the, the differences between them. On Coach on, on Sanderson, he said, quote, I would say he's more silent. It's kind of like you know what he's done in the past, and you know that he knows what he's talking about to get there, and you know what the expectation is when you're working with him. And then on Franklin, he said, quote, he's going to tell you what to do. 
you're going to do it. He's going to be more enthusiastic and he's going to be in your ear yelling and cheering the whole way while you're doing it, close quote. So that's an interesting perspective from Johnson there. And it did get me thinking, who are the best or some of the best uh, multi-sport athletes that have played for Penn State in the last couple years? So I want to do a top five countdown of Penn State football's top five multi-sport athletes of the last 10 years. Uh, And that starts with someone who's currently on the team at number five in this countdown. It's Mac Hippenhammer. Hippenhammer is redshirt freshman wide receiver. You'll probably remember him from catching his first career touchdown against Pitt last week. Uh, He probably could see some more time this week too against Kent State and against Illinois as he kind of works into that rotation a little bit more. But he's also a very good baseball player. He uh, was great in high school. He, when he signed with Penn State as a recruit, he said he was going to play baseball, and he did last year as a freshman uh, in 2017 on the diamond. Only played in seven games. Uh, he did balance his time. I think he spent most of spring practice exclusively with football, the football team. But once that was wrapped up, he did play with the baseball team uh, as an outfielder. He appeared in appeared in seven games and had uh, one hit and 10 at bats. So maybe hip and hammer, can, he's, he's clearly taking a step forward on the gridiron this year. Could be the same on the diamond in the spring. Uh, at number four in this countdown is Ross Travis, former Penn State basketball player. I don't know if this is cheating a bit, but he is a football player now, so I'm counting it. This is going to come up again later in the countdown too. Uh, but Ross Travis was... A forward on Penn State's basketball team between 2011 and 2015, averaged about six points and four boards a game during his career, and was really one of the better athletes and dunkers, shot blockers that Penn State has had uh, in the last, pretty much under Pat Chambers, in the last seven, eight years. And he was 6'6", and he used that athleticism and that six foot six frame and turned it into an NFL career. Uh, it was kind of surprising when he announced it uh, when he was a senior after his basketball career wrapped up that he was going to give it a shot, but he had played in high school and had the he had the body and the athleticism to do it, and he's made a career out of it. He's been in the NFL for three years uh, with both the Chiefs and now with the Indianapolis Colts. He's played in 21 NFL games. He's caught 10 passes for 91 yards. Unfortunately, uh, this year, right before the season started, he did tear his ACL, so Ross Travis will not be playing this year, but he is a member of the Indianapolis Colts, and hopefully he can make his way back because that's it's an impressive story to go from not playing football for five years to the NFL. All right, number three on this list, that's where we put Jan Johnson. Uh, he was part of that Penn State National Championship wrestling team a couple years back in 2015, and now he's the starting linebacker starting middle linebacker at linebacker U after joining the team as a walk-on. A really good story. A guy from Pennsylvania as well grew up rooting for the Nittany Lions, so he has a lot to be proud of, and it's a very impressive resume what he's been able to do during his time in Happy Valley. Number two on this list, Jordan Norwood. And you're probably thinking, Jordan Norwood didn't play two sports. Steven, get out of here. Wrong. He played basketball for four games when he was a freshman uh, <laughs> at Penn State uh, back when Ed DeCellis was coaching. Uh, Norwood 
one of the better Penn State wide receivers in recent memory. Along, he was in that Deion Butler and Derek Williams, that trio that made Penn State really, really fun to watch there in the mid aughts. And uh, he turned, uh, he ended up having a long NFL career. He was in the league from 2009 to 2016. He announced his retirement last year. And he has, and he still has this record, uh, the longest punt return touchdown in Super Bowl history. Went 61 yards for the Broncos. Uh, that was in Super Bowl 50. So it would have been 2016 when the Broncos beat the Panthers. So Jordan Norwood did play Penn State, for Penn State basketball team very, very briefly. All right, number one on this list is Chris Hogan. Again, not a guy who technically played for Penn State football, but he is a guy who is making football his career. Chris Hogan was a Penn State lacrosse player, as I'm sure many Penn State fans know, and as gets brought up pretty much every time he's on a national broadcast. Uh, he was a first-team all-conference player for the Nittany Lions in 2009. He had 29 goals that year on the lacrosse field. Uh, and then he went to Monmouth and played football and got in the NFL. He caught on with the Bills in 2012, and he's been on the Patriots the last three years and has become one of Tom Brady's favorite targets. Uh, he was a winner, a Super Bowl winner with New England in Super Bowl 51, Super Bowl participant in Super Bowl 52 when the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. Uh, and he's, uh, But he has become a very reliable target and uh, one of the better receivers that the Patriots have had recently. Not that it's like a super long list because they change them out so often, but he's had uh, 400 yards in four straight seasons. So Chris Hogan has made quite a career. So those are the top five multi-sport Penn State football athletes of the last 10 years. Let me know if I missed anyone or, or, or omitted uh, or put someone in the wrong order or whatever whatever I did wrong. Please let me know. All right, we're going to step away again for a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to have over and unders for the Penn State-Kent State game. Stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Football season is back, and so is the chance to win big with FanDuel. You don't have to be a fantasy expert to win with FanDuel, and it's never been more fun or easier to play. This year, FanDuel has more ways to win than ever before with games like Gridiron Pick'em, Guru, and Beat the Score. Plus, new users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to start playing. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm Steven Pianovich, and today in our final segment of the show, I'm going to give out a few over and under numbers for Saturday's game against Kent State. And uh, I'm going to throw these in a poll on Twitter, and I'm really looking forward to the feedback we get. Uh, let me know what you think about them, and you can vote in our poll to see which way uh, fans are leaning on these. Most of these are just kind of numbers I put together. I'll kind of give you my take on them as well once I introduce them here. Uh, but first is a number that I didn't come up with. This is the the most of uh, the consensus Las Vegas number. 
which is 64 points uh, over under uh, for the game Penn State Kent State on Saturday. And I'm actually going to take the over. I think there's going to be a lot of points set in this game, even even if it's like not a super fast start for either team. I think that Penn State's offense will really get going in this game at, at some point and score. It could be one of these things where Penn State just gets the ball and they're in sync and they score a touchdown on three straight drives or put up points on three or four straight drives. And, you know, before, you know, it might be seven to three in the first quarter and then at halftime it's 31 to six or something. So I could see that happening. Also, Kent State, just their offense runs a lot of plays, as we discussed yesterday, and their offense can can move the ball pretty quickly. So maybe they leave some starters in and, and Penn State rotates some guys in the second half. And I could see Kent State getting a couple late touchdowns. I'm thinking it'll be something like uh, like 52 to 17 or, or 49 to 20, something you know somewhere in there. I think it's going to hit that over of of 64 points. All right, next one on the list is over under half a touchdown for Jawan Johnson. So I'm basically asking, will Jawan Johnson catch a touchdown in Saturday's game? And I'm saying I'm saying yes. I'm being positive here because I think. I think they'll try to get him more involved, and he has, I mean, he's Penn State's leader in receptions, but I think they'll try to get him involved in the red zone and, and involved in the game plan to get him the ball more, to get a little bit of confidence back after he's had a couple bad drops in the first two weeks. Um, because I, this is a game where you, you can absolutely do that, and James Franklin and, and Ricky Ronnie in the offense might want to do that to kind of get him a little more in sync with Trace McSorley before that Big Ten schedule starts. So I'm thinking Juwan Johnson scores his first touchdown of the season this Saturday against Kent State. All right, next over and under, eight and a half pass attempts for Sean Clifford. So Clifford looked great last week on one pass attempt. He was one for one for 34 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Hard to have a better passer rating than that. So uh, (laughs) we'll see how much they let him throw the ball this week. I wouldn't expect, even if Tommy Stevens is healthy, for him to play much. Uh, maybe get him out there for a little bit if they just want to get him test uh, test how he's feeling. But I expect Sean Clifford to get a, a bulk of the backup work if and when Penn State does, you know, take Tracy Sorley out of this game. And in a game like this, you know, it could be a runaway game late in the third or early in the fourth quarter, and they might let Sean Clifford try to put together a few drives on his own just to kind of get get his feet wet and get him comfortable playing in this setting and in front of a whole bunch of people at Beaver Stadium. Uh, so I think eight and a half pass attempts is, is probably somewhere it's going to be on that line. I'm going to take the under because I don't think Penn State is going to throw as much in the fourth quarter. Um, but, you know, if he, he if he leads a couple drives and it's early in the fourth quarter, it certainly could, could go over here and have him passing all over the place just to see how he looks uh, with that second team offense. So... I would expect to see a decent amount of Sean Clifford on Saturday. We'll see how many passes he throws. All right, final one here. Over or under 102,000 fans in attendance on Saturday. Penn State fans, uh, about 105,000. I think it was 105-232 showed up for the App State game. This game not quite as appealing. And as we talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, that home schedule Gets a lot, a lot spicier in a hurry after this Kent State game. So this one is, is if fans are, are not making the trip to Happy Valley for one of the home games this year, this might be the one to skip. Uh, 
so I think 102,000, there still could be a lot of people there. I mean, you only get seven home games in a year. The weather is looking uh, a little bit better. It looks like Penn State, uh, State College might not feel the the aftermath of, of that hurricane that, that's coming in this weekend. Um, so I think the weather's going to hold out a little bit. I think Penn's people will still show up. So I'm going to take the over, but barely, like 102,000 and like 85 people will be there. I hope that's right, because then maybe maybe I have a future in setting some numbers. But So those are over-unders. We're going to have those on Twitter. If you're listening to this on Thursday, we're going to have those on Twitter later today, probably sometime around around noon or in the early afternoon. And we'll leave those polls open. Uh, and we'll, we'll leave them open for two days, let, let fans get their votes in there. So let me know what numbers I set wrong or what I set right and, and which which over under you're taking and which numbers you like. So we'll probably do this every week too, just to, it makes the game a little more fun, a little, a little something else to, to pay attention to on Saturdays. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you could do me and the show a big favor by subscribing to the show, downloading the show, leaving us a rating or review on iTunes, on Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. That is greatly appreciated. Also, if you have any questions or comments or things you'd like to hear on the show, you can reach us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. You can email us at LockedOnNittanyLions at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Uh, myself, Stephen Pianovich, am on Twitter at spianovich. That's S-P-I-A-N-O-V-I-C-H. So any question, comments, compliments, concerns, complaints you have, send them uh, either to us, our show's account, or to my account, and we'll we'll let you know, and we'll get back to you, and, and hopefully make the show a little bit better. So we will have one more show previewing the Kent State game this week. That'll be coming out on Friday. I'll talk to you then.